Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Life takes a sudden turn for May, a popular self-help book author, when she finds herself the target of a mysterious man with murderous intentions. Every night without fail, he comes after her, and every day the people around her barely seem to notice. I'm going to leave it there because this is quite a wonderful film in so many different ways, and I think it takes the horror genre and really brings it into a different realm, a way of thinking. Uh, The film is Lucky, and we're joined today by the director, and that would be Natasha Kermani. Mm-hmm. Hello. Thank Hi. You <laughs> as well as the lead actor and co- and the writer of the film, and that would be Brea Grant. Hi. Hi. Welcome to both of you. Welcome to Film School Radio. Well, I'll start with you, Natasha. Or, well, maybe this is a question of sort of a jump ball. How did this story, how did this project come about? Who approached who about it? Was that you, Brea, approaching Natasha? Or how did this sort of evolve? Yeah, well, um, actually, it came out because Epic Pictures approached me. Um, they asked me if I uh, had any scripts um, that uh, they were looking to make something under the Dread label, I believe. And so they asked me if I had any scripts, and I sent them Lucky. Lucky had been at a couple of different places, and it it's that film story where it was never quite made at various other places, right. uh, on the verge of being made, but never quite made. And I had it, had the script. I'd been working on it for about three years or so. They had just done a movie with Natasha called Imitation Girl. And when I brought them the script, they were like, we want Natasha to direct it and we want you to star in it. What do you think of that? <laughs> <laughs> so Natasha, you're, so you, you get a call. How does this work? With, in terms yeah, of- yeah. Well, the, I think, you know, the, these, um, the producer who sort of identified the project knows my sensibilities. And I think he had an instinct that I would respond to the project, which I did. I loved reading the script. And the only word I can really think of is ambitious. It's juggling so many tones. It's juggling some really big themes. It's juggling, um, you know, some absurdist tendencies. <laughs> While in sort of, I think of it as the skin of a slasher, you know, there's sort of a lot of elements going on. And I thought that was really interesting. And, you know, you get a lot of scripts as a director and and they're usually, they need quite a bit of work. You know, you don't really see it that vividly. And, you know, it had been presented to me with Bria in the, in the lead role as May. And so, um, you know, I knew Bria socially. And so I was sort of able to have that shortcut to seeing it on screen and things, even while reading, were starting to sort of materialize for me. So when that happens, you you kind of know you're like, okay, this is this is some good energy has happening here. And and Epic had sort of they were interested in the project and the script. And uh so it it came together honestly very fast for a movie. Um we I read it, I think it was the fall of 2018. We were shooting in June of 2019, and then of course we were supposed to premiere in March of 2020 at South by, um, but the universe had different plans. <laughs> yes, yes, it did. Yeah. We're all living through that. Yes, yes still yes. to this day. It's your fault. I knew it was somebody's fault was that a... this, all this stuff happened. <laughs> but uh, yes, Brea, uh, just in terms of the juggling of these different genres in the film, the different tones, the different sort of uh, genres that you're playing with in the film, what is the biggest challenge in terms of getting that right? And maybe that's a question for both of you in terms of how much of the horror genre 
do we want to emphasize in terms of how much it plays into the way that May is seeing her life? And then how does that play out, uh, you know, for the rest of the film? Um, also, Natasha, how, how in terms of finding yeah. that right tone? Yeah, I, I think it's a really interesting question because I think the movie, a lot of those things, those sort of references and those, those tonal nods to um, tropes, came through very organically. And really for, for Bria and myself, it was really about getting the arc of May's experience on the screen. And we weren't really that preoccupied with, okay, and now we're gonna do a visual hint to scream, you know? <laughs> These <laughs> things, I think just because we are fans and it's part of the DNA of making a movie that is a slasher in its own, in its structure, a lot of those things just sort of came through organically. And I don't think we were, um, necessarily, you know, super hyper conscious of being referential here or doing this or doing that. I think we just did what felt best for the journey of this character as she's going deeper and deeper into this nightmare. Um, for me, the the tone was uh, always in service of May's experience. So really, we saw the whole movie is sort of tr about tracking where May is um, as the world is distorting around her. And once we sort of take the first step into the twilight zone, as it were, um, you know, just knowing where we are and how weird things are going to become. <laughs> and then being very clear about the rules. So for example, one of our rules was May is blue and the man is red. Right. So establishing sort of what the rules are visually, tonally, you know, what are the rules of her fighting technique? She's not, you know, a real person in one scene and then suddenly she's a superhero doing like Trinity kicks and stuff, you know, <laughs> just making sure that the rules were established. But then once the rules and the journey and the arc of the character is established, dial it up to 11. Right. Like have fun. Don't, you know, don't hold back within the resources that we had available. Let's go for it. Let's paint with a really big, bright, expressionistic brush and not um, closing off any of the toolkit technically for ourselves. And so that was sort of those, that was the line we were writing. Uh, and also not shying away from the humor. So um, one of the things we wanted to do was, was surround Bria with a cast of uh, comedy actors. So people who have experience and background in sketch comedy, or, um, you know, we're just able to bring maybe something outside of the normal horror um, techniques that you see brought to screen. So yeah, that was, that was sort of our approach. Yeah. Well, in terms of just the filmmaking and when, in terms of Brea's performance, the, I would stop the opening scene, but certainly it's a it's early scene in the film where she gets into her car in this parking structure and I was waiting for something to happen. And it has something to do with the camera work. I think there's one thing that uh, that I picked up as I'm watching the film. There's a lot of slow pushing in with the camera and to focus in on Brea and and sort of to it sort of the, the rest of the world sort of is closing in around it's her, creeping or in, creeping yeah. in into her. And I thought Brea, in terms of that, just that first scene for me, the first I'll say not the first scene, but you know what I mean, the first time. I feel like you might be in danger. I thought the way you just handled it, it's the way you were able to ratchet up her May's anxiety started there. Mm. But it was uh, it was fairly understated. I would say very understated. But then I, I don't just tell me a little bit in terms of a technique that as a, as a performer, as an actor, what are you looking for in a role like this where you have to over time sort of ratchet up that that sense well I think 
the key is to live with a low uh, level of anxiety all of the time. And if you just <laughs> bring that to your performance, uh, then, it'll, then it'll help. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, look, I mean, I wrote the script, so I've been living with the character for years. Um, and I had never pictured myself as this character. I never had, I didn't write it with the intention of playing the role. So I had always kind of thought about how I would talk to the person who would be playing the role and made sure that she understood on the page where she was in her emotional journey. I can be a bit of a wordy writer and I can be a bit of a like on the nose writer where I'm like, you know, she is feeling this. She looks like, you know, I tried to like include those things because I think her journey is is obviously very, that's the story of the movie is her emotional journey and her dealing with this and denying this and then coming to terms with this. That's, that is the journey of the movie. So I think it all, yeah, it was just, it's just pacing where we are in the movie and shooting a movie is always so, a horror movie particularly is always so strange as an actor, because even though you know, you're safe, your heart is still pounding. You are still running. You are still screaming and your body does not know you're safe. There's this book called The Body Keeps the Score. It's a nonfiction book just about um, how bodies, uh, how our bodies get affected by the things that happen with us and, and trauma affects our body. And I think probably, I mean, I don't want to make this broad statement, but horror movie actresses, our bodies have been so brutalized by the films we're doing because our bodies don't know that we haven't been stalked by Michael Myers for years. I mean, like they're just not, they're not aware of it. So I think, Falling into that state of anxiety is a very easy space for me at this point in my career because I've done so much in the genre space. I don't know if it's healthy. I'm not. I'm actually going to say it's probably not. <laughs> yeah. Well, you you were you've been you were on Dexter for it was a, on Dexter. yeah. So there, right there, in terms of just sort of a, a an environment for being scared, Dexter is certainly one of the better examples of that on recent television. Definitely. But I, I, there's there's a, a line here. I don't know if, where it is in terms of this film, but there's horror and then there's what they now call the psychological thriller. Mm. And this is both of them. And one of the things that when thinking back on cinema and some of my favorite films, A Woman Under the Influence, Mm -hmm. It's a film that it, it thematically feels very similar mm -hmm. to this mm -hmm. in the sense that she is convinced that they're out that there, there are forces at work to undermine her, to do her harm. Mm -hmm. And she can't convince the people around her that that's happening. Mm -hmm. Right. She's unable to convince them. And it leads to a further and further kind of a um, spiral for her mm -hmm. and very much the same character development character arc for 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 may mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is that is that a is am i is that fair is that something that, that yeah well i was gonna say i think natasha and i both love horror movies but i think we also are both sci-fi fans and that really affected the genre of the movie and something that i knew i think it's why i like imitation girls so much it gets lumped into like the horror genre but really it's a sci-fi it's a sci-fi mm -hmm. movie you know yeah. like and that i, I love sci-fi and i think this movie has just so many science fictional elements to it it's high concept i think lucky is is high concept because you're you're we're basically so i think what bria does really well in the script is she takes um what's supposed to be a very sort of quotidien everyday space which is the the parking garage 
uh, and is pointing out the absurdity of the reality for women in today, which is that uh, something as everyday as a parking garage is actually a war zone, right? There's danger underlying in that there is this sort of underlying threat that exists at all times. And then taking that one idea and expanding it out so that it starts to follow this woman in every aspect of her life. And that is, uh, yes, I guess it, it is certainly a horror movie for sure, but it is really a psychological drama, right? It's like what happens when you're living with that sort of um, underlying threat at all times and when things start to disintegrate around you and start to distort. And I think that that is certainly science fiction as well, um, but it is ultimately grounded in the absurdity of our everyday lives. <laughs> yeah, And that's why it works. And I think that's why it's interesting. And again, to go back to your first question about tone, you can, we can now go and we can paint the garage in red lights and we can, you know, have Ivy growing all over her house because at the end of the day, what we're talking about is a very real life situation. And right. I think that for me is always necessary in whatever kind of film you're doing, whether it, it be a horror or a psychological thriller or science fiction or whatever, it has to have that grounding that you can hold on to, even as things continue to get more and more bizarre. Right. right. And they do. I want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with the director. Uh, the film is called Lucky, and we're speaking with the director, Natasha Kermani, as well as the lead actor and writer of the film, and that would be Bria Grant. And I feel like I've sort of neglected the actual story itself. I gave in the introduction, I talked a little bit about it, but May is a, a writer. She's been writing these self-help books. Uh, Go It Alone is her the title of the book that we see, and she's being asked to now write a, a sequel to that. And uh, I, there is, I don't want to make, I want to make sure I say it correctly uh, in terms of sort of this perspective of modern women, feminism, having it all. Rhea, what is it that you, how, how would you embrace this in terms of describing that part of the film, the feminist sort of perspective in this? That's a broad question, but I am, <laughs> how does, I mean, look, I I am a woman living in the world. So obviously I'm going to write and and obviously and I identify as a feminist. So obviously I'm going to write from that perspective. I think you're touching on a lot of the things that definitely came to mind in the writing. The self-help book genre is one that is actually very interesting to me. I don't want to disparage it because I do read all of the books. <laughs> I read all, I, I lean in, you know, I do all the things, but I do think that there is and there has been uh, a part of, of feminism, particularly in the past, that is very sort of like reliant on yourself. You can't have it all. Um, and it's this very like business lady feminism, for lack of a better term, that I don't identify with. And I think is such a, is, is a little bit dangerous uh, because I think we as women, but as people rely on communities. I mean, so yeah, that, that is something I was definitely trying to touch on, but obviously the movie like has a lot of different takes on modern white woman, business lady feminism. And, yeah. and, and I, which has a lot of things that I think Natasha and I find both problem. We both find problematic. Yeah. Yeah. Natasha. Also, yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I loved that about the script that, that we were in many ways, not running away from, from that 
exact thing, right? So saying, you know, the ultimate tragedy is that this woman is not able to connect and she's not really able to both be an ally and be helped. (laughs) She's not able to help and she's not able to be helped. And I think even like stripping it down even further, just like as a, as just as a filmmaker coming to something that is entirely character driven. I love the idea of someone whose entire career is about answers, finding answers who like finally finds is like confronted with a problem that has no answer. I think that's just great, you know, and it's funny and it's dark. And um, I was very drawn to just that very basic core conflict felt very strong to me and actionable. And I was like, okay, cool. We can, we can take that core idea of like this woman's job is to solve problems (laughs) Mm -hmm. and she solves them by herself and then start throwing all this crazy shit at her throughout the course of the movie and, and just see her uh oh, the build the blocks that I've been using to help solve all the problems in my life <laughs> aren't working anymore. Right, you know, and, and right. what happens from there. So well, and I, I think and this and you know, the sci-fi element is this reoccurring motif mm-hmm. that she's she's able to deal with on a daily basis to some degree, to fight it off, to be able to sort of mm-hmm. kill it, but it keeps coming back. And that's where I think this is the the part of the film that what I was just sort of trying to get to is this sort of idea that women especially now it seems are constantly under increasing pressure to quote unquote deliver Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and without without the without the same sort of considerations that men would get in those same circumstances in fact as we see in those so those side characters this sort of dismissive or is she crazy is this menopause is it what you know what is this what's happening to her Kind of, and if it again, this is sort of, this is kind of in the ether of this film, and and I think that's a really strong, I think, especially this film is another thing about Lucky is that it picks up momentum, it picks up its punch as it goes along, which I thought was a, a very not an easy thing to do, but it it certainly does that. I never yeah. felt like I was going to get let down in this film. I felt like I was going somewhere with it. Well, that's very good to hear for sure. But a lot of that is also, you know, the film is very much designed um, and Brie and I went through and did a draft that was um, sort of backed into the resources that we had. And I think a lot of that was finding the strengths and what we could kind of lean on, um, <laughs> lean in and lean on uh, <laughs> to to sort of, you know, still have a satisfying, again, emotional journey for this character while still working within the the toolkit that we have. So yeah, thank, thank you for saying that. I, I hope that we, um, I hope that people feel like it's a conversation starter. Uh, again, like I don't think either of us are interested in providing answers with this project. Like, like all the things that you're bringing up are perfectly true and valid and don't have easy answers. So it's right. more about starting the conversation right. than giving answers. Brea, we're just, we're about to run out of time. So I want to give you any, any thing you'd like to, to, uh, follow on with that is that uh just, no just subscribe to shutter and watch <laughs> <laughs> all right then i think we we know okay now uh, in terms of uh are you Bray, are you going to continue to write and uh is this uh where you want to continue to go with your career yeah i mean i have another movie i wrote and directed called 12 hour shift that's out now it just hit hulu um in the last month um it premiered at tribeca last year and definitely comic book she's got a comic book and i have a graphic novel i've been writing graphic novels for years and i have a new graphic novel that just came out called mary which is a ya sci-fi graphic novel so yeah you can definitely check out more of my writing work for sure and some of my directing work 
Where can we go to a website for that? Any website that sells. Oh, wait, for my comic, any website that sells books. Uh, it's called Mary. You can look up my name. Uh, okay. I prefer bookshop.org because it gives a percentage of what you buy to your local bookstore um, or will order from your local bookstore. Um, it's not quite as fast as Amazon, but it will get there. And I, I've never, ever seen a, an emergency comic book situation. So I feel like you can wait a week. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. Local. And Natasha, uh, congratulations on this film. The reviews, I, I was looking through some of the reviews of the film and it's they've been great. And I, I do want to compliment you on the camera work. Your cinematographer, Julia Swain, did a terrific job. I thought the film looked great, especially the confined, uh, you know, settings kind of shots and just a lot of, a lot of great camera work in this film. And thank you to you. Thank you. Thank you both so much for being here. Film is called Lucky and we're speaking with the director, Natasha Kermani as well as the lead actor and writer of the film, and that would be Bria Grant. Lucky is now on AMC Shudder, the premium video streaming service, and uh, you can go to Shudder.com to find out more about how to watch the film. And I want to thank both of you for being here today on Film School Radio. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Film School Radio.